Hello, everybody, and welcome to the ATP Challenge Tour podcast with myself, Andy Watson, and my good friend, Damian Kust. Uh, we are going to be saying goodbye to Biella in this episode. It feels like we've been talking about this little Italian town for ages, Damian, and finally um, the the series came to an end there. Yeah, as I said last time, hopefully you know, the next time we have four events in one place, it's going to be something with better stream quality. But you know, it's been a, a real good run. I think a lot of great, a lot of great uh, winners, a lot of great stuff. So, so you know, can't complain. Good to get regular tennis um, anywhere, I suppose, at that, that stage. And when when it first opened, we we speculated as to what it would be like over four weeks. But I think it's been it's been quite good. Like I say, the streaming isn't the best. But uh, let's talk about the final then that we saw at the other four. Um, it was an old German affair, and Daniel Massor came out on top. Yep. Uh, also, all qualifiers. So and that was actually the first time in three years, I think. Um, oh, really? so quite quite a rare occasion. Uh, you know, no one. I think before the semis, especially, uh, not many expected Buckinger and Masur to to be in the final, as as they played Marchenko and Bonzi. We've been talking about for the for the past few weeks as. Yeah as definitely one of the dominators on the on the circuit. Also both Buckinger and uh, and Masur had so many tough matches on the way, uh, especially considering they also had to play the qualies. So that's good. That's seven matches in a row. I think uh, each of them also had uh, a bit of drama in the, in the qualifying campaign. So it kind of shows how how slim the margins are sometimes. That's so you know that you you are locked in a decider in a, in the final round of qualifying and then six days later you uh, you win a challenger event. I think for Masur like you know he's just twenty six year old. Uh, I think most of us expected him to to make that kind of progress sooner. Uh, kind of, he's been kind of underwhelming in the, in recent years, but hopefully it's gonna be a, a start of something bigger. His his forehand was really amazing throughout the week, and Buckinger, I'm kind of, I was kind of surprised to learn how much of a of a challenger to legend he actually is. Like he he only has four titles, but that was his 14th uh, championship match, and the first one was actually in 2007. So you know, wow. he's one of he's one of the veterans of the circuit. I actually also hilariously didn't even remember that he had he was the runner up at at a tour level event in in Mets three years ago. That completely slipped my mind, and so so, so, so that was a week of of learning a little bit uh, more about a player that I thought I knew quite well, but also definitely you know uh, always a great threat on on especially indoors as a very big game. So. The, it was a great final, also one of one of the few can, uh, one of the candidates that we that we're gonna have if if we were to talk about uh, I don't know, matches of the year so far, then 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 that was definitely one of one of the these that we could mention. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Masur had match points in the second set. Um, I always find that quite a, a mark of character. Sometimes that when you've had set points in that second set, especially if it's in a tie break, it seems like you come into that third set, and I always find I don't know whether it's just my mindset or whether um, I just remember the times it does happen that you the player often falls apart in that third set, um, thinking that they missed their opportunity, but that didn't happen to Masur. No, especially as he also later led 4 2 uh, in the third and actually blew a break by a terrible overhead. And, but he was still able to, you know, to keep keep his calm and and 
he was simply I, I think he was simply the better player in in the whole match he, he as i as i mentioned earlier his forehand was really a, a great weapon but you know he he he, he just came uh, he had all these opportunities but he didn't let it, let them get to him and and clinch the title finally Absolutely. Like I say, Bakinger, a legend of the Challengers circuit, but they beat um, two of our favourites, Marchenko and Bonzi, in the semi-finals as well. So two more good runs for, for those guys. Um, anybody else in the draw that you wanted to pick out? I mean, Luca Puig again, um, failing in, in his kind of comeback, as it were, but Marchenko, as we know, is a tough player to try and beat. Yeah, Marchenko is definitely a, a, a good player to mention here because actually he was one of the only two players to feature in all the main draws at Biela. And he won yes, 30, 13 matches and Stefano Napolitano was actually the second one uh, who got a, a wild card to three of them. He's a Biela native and he actually didn't win a single one. So definitely oh. a great, a great no. one for Marchenko. Uh, Buckingham also played all all the events, but he actually fell in the qualifying draw at the at the second one. But yeah, Marchenko has been has been really surprising this year. I think after 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 his like a little bit worse uh, finish to to 2020, many people expected that he would never really uh, you know get back to get back to his previous level. But but it's been an absolutely great season for him. I think he has like the. I think he's the second. He has the second most match wins on the Challenger Tour this year after Bonzi. So these two have have definitely been one of the one of the more shining stars. Absolutely. Um, let's leave it there then. Thank you to Biella for your for your hospitality for four and a bit weeks I really enjoyed it I'm sure we'll be back I think you mentioned in your last week that we'll be back maybe for some more uh, Biela tennis later in the year um, let's move over to Santiago um, where we saw a, well I mean quite an astonishing record at the moment that Sebastian Baez is carrying in the Challenger Tour Damien I saw your tweet about it was it last night um, he's won another title here against uh, Thomas Barrios um, so Marcelo Thomas Barrios, sorry. Um, well, I mean, what can you say about him? He seems to be dominating at the moment in, in those clay events. Definitely, yeah. He had a, you know, the Golden Week was a little bit rough for him. I think he he had, he had played uh, Hammer Munar close at one of the matches, but he had to retire yeah. in, the, in the third set. But then the, there was that loss to Rune after, after going through qualifying. So maybe a bit underwhelming given what he did in, at Concepcion last month. Uh, but as I, you know, as you mentioned, the tweet, uh, there are actually three uh, undefeated players in the main draws of the of the, of the Challenger Tour this year, and only Baez uh, played more than one event. One of the guys we are actually going to be talking about today, uh, later, and the other one is Ruben Benemans, but he actually lost in the qualies uh, twice. He, he's 5-0 in 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 main in main draw matches, but he lost in the qualies uh, in the opening rounds both ti- both times. But anyhow, uh, Bias, yeah, ten wins and, and no losses. Only actually lost one set uh, along the way, and that was to Francisco Cherndolos. Obviously, not not a not a shameful <laughs> set loss at all. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah. As I said last, uh, I mean, not last time, uh, probably around Concepcion, I don't like using this comparison, but he really has a lot of Diego Schwartzman in him. Like the, the, the whole posture and, and game style, definitely. 
I'm not sure yet if he could have such a such a ridiculous peak as as Diego, but but he's definitely looking like a like a real deal. And uh, you know, the clay court season is coming for for guys like Marchenko, for example. The, that's you know that's that's where they're gonna have a really tough, a really rough time. And for guys like Baez, I think it can only get better, especially with uh, with what we're gonna talk about in a cycle. But, uh, let's leave it at that for now. Yeah, it wasn't quite as good a final, was it, as the yellow one? Um, yeah, straight sets, although you know there was it was a hard for um, second set. The, the crowd really, really, you know, really added an extra layer to that. Yeah. Uh, they, they really tried hard to carry uh, Marcelo Tomas Barrios Vera through, but uh, he, he fought really well uh, for the most part. It does, the second set was just as tight as it gets until until the tie break, uh, where the Barrios was like two two zero up, I think, and then and then Baez won the next six points, like practically not giving him anything, and just a Maybe a bit over his head in the finals, but it was still a great run for Barrios. He also he's made an he's made a charger to final. Uh, he only made a one semi last year in in Lima, so also definitely on the on the rise right now. Uh, Chileans had uh, you know a, a great tournament in in Tobol, I think. Uh, there were three of them in the in the quarters, including Nicolas Jarry, who we, uh, we I was gonna talk about anyway. Uh, he's been playing some really good stuff. Maybe the quarterfinal match against Varillas was a bit underwhelming, but after you know, after some very, you know, we I think we mentioned him on one of the one of the podcasts that his, uh, his the start of his comeback was was going really poorly, but right now he's he's really looking like you know the uh, a big percent of the player he he was before the before the, the doping uh, suspension. And we've also had Gonzalo Lama in the in the quarterfinals, also a player. He's been struggling. He, he's been struggling with some sort of a disease. I, I cannot remember what it was right now, but anyhow, some pretty serious stuff. And he, you know, it's also great to see him succeed. And he also played one of, you know, as I mentioned, if we made like matches of the year so far list, then then his his clash against Carvajal by would probably be there for for all the drama that. Uh, that happened. Oh, uh, I think it was three hours and fifteen minutes around it, and he he, he saved uh, saved the match point for sure. And also, I think Carbaez Bana saved served for the match in the in the third. And you know, as uh, as I said, the, the crowd also adds really adds something to the experience, especially in these South American challengers. There, there's always the the participation of the viewers is always really you know, the, the, the really committed to, to to cheering their player up. Yeah, absolutely. It took a while for Gonzalo Lama to clinch the the match there. Just looking at the the scores and uh, yeah, I think it was his fifth match point that he finally manages to close it out on. So a lot of drama there in the second round. Um, so. We've had um, Concepcion Challenger, we've had Santiago Challenger, and obviously a lot of ATP events over in South America as well. Um, but I hear there's more plans for more tennis in, in South America. Yeah, there's actually going to be launched a, a new circuit. I'm not sure if I'm going to say it right. Circuito Dove Men Plus Care Legion South Americana or something like that. And <laughs> that's the name. You can see uh, that Spanish is one of your like well-known languages well, I, actually, I actually learned like spanish for like four years i think 
and it was a quite decent level back then but you know since that it, it's been a few years and if you don't practice a language you're just forgetting everything really quickly yeah if you don't use it you lose it yeah exactly and <laughs> anyhow the circuit is uh, founded and will be organized by Horacio de la Peña who was the ATP number 31 back in the 90s he also won uh, free charger tour events he actually has a win over John McEnroe, I think. So definitely not a, not a, not a bad player. And he's uh, he just thought that there weren't that many opportunities for the players in South America to, to compete. So for now, it's going to be 12, 12 events in a year. But then you know they're they're planning to expand it uh, in the in the in the coming ones. Uh, there are some uh, many of many of uh, former greats from South America are actually involved. Uh, Gustavo Cuerten, uh, Nicolas Lapenti, or Santiago Giraldo would be organizing events in their countries. Uh, some players that are still playing, also uh, Pablo Cuevas and Hugo Delian, uh, are, are helping uh, according to according to what De La Pena said in, a, in an interview. Uh, there's also Juan Monaco will be organizing a tournament in uh, Uruguay, actually, in Punta del Este. And, it, uh, you know, he just said that they, they all really wanted to do something for tennis in South America, but they just didn't really know how to help. And, you know, the, the, the campaign, the, the project just gives them a reason to stay in tennis, to, to stay connected to, to the sport. And this time we've, with an actual goal with an actual purpose and i think it's definitely you know great especially right now in the coronavirus times not not, not everyone wants to travel to to, to europe uh, that's why we've seen guys like sebastian bias for example only play south america uh, so far i'm assuming bias might actually uh, go to Europe at some point, but but we shall see. But because, for example, uh, we already have four events scheduled. They're actually going to be in, you know, just con in consecutive weeks. That's going to be Santa Cruz de la Sierra in Bolivia, then Concepcion again, then Buenos Aires, Buenos Aires and Lima. That's between 12 April to 12 of April to 10th of May, I believe. And I've also heard that these events are going to be strategically placed in in order to help the players uh, prepare for Grand Slam qualifying. So I think there's you know, just only positives coming from them. Also, maybe because you know, if the events are organized by one, you know, by, 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 by one guy, pretty much, but by one organization, then there, there, there might be some you know, additional stuff that they are able to do that, that events held on their own aren't really able to to achieve because because they, they're not connected to each other so i think there's definitely that's definitely a great thing both for the south american tennis but also for for the challenger tour as a whole yeah absolutely it's great to have those famous names involved and um interesting to see how like, i love bolivia and uh, that would be great to see some tennis in there and of course they have produced some players from there hugo delian i think is bolivian isn't he and uh yep. It's good to see the South American. It really does give them a platform to be able to play some good tennis at a high level that's competitive. And we've seen that that can help in Europe um, progress the careers of the likes of Aslan Karatsev, who obviously we don't talk about the ATP tour famously on this podcast, but has obviously gone out on one um, in Dubai, uh, which is a, a great achievement for him. And, and he's now in the top 30 from being outside of... He's in the top 30, isn't he now? I think. Yeah, he is uh, 27th, I believe. And, uh, Seven, yeah. Before the before, 
before the restart he oh. was 253rd i believe so that's that's in in like what it was august when when the tour restarted so that's uh, 226 spots in seven months pretty good pretty good yeah especially with the rankings as they are at the moment right yeah so... uh, definitely like last year he i think he finished at 114 uh, I think he finished the season at 114, and if you only counted 2020 points, uh, he would have already been at 50 something, 58, I believe, or something like that. So he wouldn't have to play the qualies at the Australian Open. He would, you know, he wouldn't have to, you know, have to make that insane run there to even get to events like Dubai or, or Doha, where he played before. So you know, if we made the the podcast last year, then Aslan Karatsev would be <laughs> a topic in pretty much every every episode. Yeah, he'd be like the star of this podcast, like Benjamin Bonzi type. Yeah. Um, let's move on to this week then. We've got three three events, uh, one in Croatia, one in hey, France. What, and about, in what about Cleveland? Oh, sorry, Cleveland. Sorry, American fans. Um, almost left Cleveland out of that there. I was so eager to move on to next week. Um, Bjorn Patangelo fans especially would be uh, very upset if we did that. Because um, he came back and won an All American final against Jensen Brooksby. Yeah, uh, as always with American challengers, it was so heavily American that uh, I think yeah. over fifty percent. I think 17, 17 players in the draw. Uh, Seventeen players in the draw were actually American. So <laughs> anyhow, uh, Jensen Brooksby. Fifty fifty uh, semi finals though, wasn't it? I think there was an yeah. Ecuadorian and. That free, know, free Americans, no. yeah, he's American, free Americans, and, and one Ecuadorian. Uh, anyhow, we've talked about Brooksby before uh, when, yeah. when he won in Podchestrum. So just for obviously for for a brief, you know, his story is is great. So I'm not gonna maybe go about it, go you know, go on about it again. But you know, he he hasn't played them a single match in 2020 because of injuries, and then decided to drop out of college to to go pro, and it's going absurdly well. I don't think he he expected that uh, to you know it to be going so so great. He was super clutch throughout the week. Uh, he actually played four tie breaks in his first his first three matches, won all of them. And then in the semis, he was down 2-6, 3-5 to, to Emilia Gomez and came back. Two match points saved. I, one on, on, on his serve and one, of, one on Gomez's serve. Both were like mid-length rallies also, so not, not double faults from Gomez or, or anything. But he, just, he was just kind of outplayed in the final, I would say. Fratangelo really had the upper hand from the, from the baseline. No, no one has to, you know, has to talk about... How good Bien Fratangelo is! I mean, he's he's shown up uh, on the main tour multiple times before. Uh, yeah. But uh, just just another great week for him. We've mentioned him uh, as one of these having a really tough draw uh, when we talked about Cleveland last week. Uh, he played yeah. Tyson Kwiatkowski in the in the opening round, but before the semis, he actually you know, barely barely had to break a sweat <laughs> and. And the final was actually really, despite it being two sets, it was really long. I think the first set, 7-5, lasted like 70 minutes. Uh, the rallies really were extremely long. Both, both players kind of you know, hit really clean, but do not really possess some amazing power. So, so, so it was really taking a lot of time 
from from them to to grind through these games and and points but that doesn't mean that it wasn't an enjoyable watch it was actually you know it was actually pretty amazing uh there's one before i before we go to someone else that we that we can we could mention in the in the draw i actually wanted to say that we had a bit of a request to talk some bit about doubles i to be honest i don't really watch doubles that much <laughs> Uh, on the Challenger Tour, just because you know there, there's no time for that. There are so many singles matches that you know. Well, when do you actually have the time? But we're gonna we're gonna try to cover a, a little bit of that at least if there's if there's something interesting going on. And for example, I actually watched the the Cleveland uh, final and one of the earlier matches of uh, Robert Galloway and Alex Lawson, and it was actually. A, uh, they, they saved two match points in the in the super tie break, so that was that was a, a pretty exciting one. So that, that you know, just wanted to give a, a bit of a, a shout out to them. Yeah, I, I noticed that. Um, <clears throat> there's something I wanted to bring up with you about challenger tennis in in general. Actually, that again, like this was a final between two unseeded players. Um, in fact, if you go back through the tournament, only Emilio Gomez made it to the quarterfinals being a seeded player. And we also talked about how uh, Bakinger and Masoa were qualifiers. Um, I mean, is uh, do, does this happen on a regular basis? For those who aren't that familiar with the Challenger Tour, does this happen on a regular basis that seeded players don't really mean anything? Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're the favourites for the tournament, for instance. Well, I wouldn't really say they don't mean anything. Like that, the, there definitely are cases when uh, you know a higher-ranked player shows up and dominates the week. Like for example, last week, uh, last week, last year, it was Adrian Monarino, for example, in Monterey. I don't think he lost a single. Uh, he lost more than four games in any set. But I, I would say that in general, the seats matter less on the Challenger Tour than they actually do than they actually do on the main tour. I think it's simply because the, the difference in skill level between guys like I don't know, Novak Djokovic and the 100th player in the world, so guys who can play, for example, in an ATP 250, the, that difference is way bigger than, than what we get on the, on the Challenger Tour. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty much even. I'm actually Googling an article of mine last, from last year because I think I, I had a, a stat there on how many times the top two seats uh, managed to, to reach the final. And it, there were actually two of uh, you know, such instances last year. So over 56 completed events. Uh, I think that's a pretty small number. I think in 2019 it was uh, the ratio was even worse. I think it was like four finals between the top seats, and we had like 158 events. So it, it really does happen quite often that the, the finals are played between unseeded players, which I think only adds up to the to the entertainment. Each week we have some different players to to talk about, especially here in in Cleveland. I think we uh, I have a little. Excel chart with uh, all the players that played the the challenger tour this year. Actually, main draws only, where I have their only their win loss records. Nothing, nothing much because it is it would be really really boring and dull to to keep up with anything else that you can just Google in in a sec. But uh, when I actually typed in the the Cleveland results, uh, there were the most of the players didn't even play any single event. Uh, in this year before 
So it was for a lot of these players, it was it was the first challenger event, and for some, it was also the the first pro event they they played all year. So the 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 seeds really didn't really matter that much, you know. Maybe you know, everyone was probably expecting James Duckworth, the, the top seed, to do better, but there yeah. were some. There were some. Uh, there were a lot of unseeded players in the draw that that have a lot, quite a lot more talent than, for example, uh, you know, the second seed Goseda was eliminated by Donald Young, you know, obviously a, a well-established player that you know, one of the wasted guys with are always mentioned in discussions of wasted potential or something uh, i actually wanted to to mention alexander kovacevic whom you, uh, you know whom you just uh, said something about before he's still playing college for for university of illinois and he simply isn't coming you know he cannot play the full pro circuit but there's you know he, his class has has been uh, no, just prevalent on the on the on the challenger tour quite a few times before and he's just proving that you know college tennis <laughs> also can can be played at, at extremely high level and he's definitely one to look forward to you know, one player that we can look forward to him after he after he finishes his uh, his career at the at the university uh, also, guys like Alexis Galarno, for example, he also hasn't played this year. But for for example, he de uh, de defeated Mackenzie McDonald in November. There are a lot of guys in the states that actually do not play you know, right now. They do not play almost at all because they don't have any opportunities to do so. Like the, the, there are a few futures events organized right now in the in the in the states. But these guys who are more challenged, ranked at the at the level of challengers, they they really struggle to to find any opportunity to play besides some you know some exhibitions for money. So that definitely, well, as a conclusion, I I got really off the topic a lot there. But as a conclusion, I would say that uh, no, the the seeds definitely do matter less, but that doesn't mean that. In most cases, we shouldn't expect the, the top seats to go far. Yeah, absolutely. It's just something I picked up on um, this week. I mean, most weeks, really. But I, I understand that the level between... It's, it's like any kind of distribution curve, if you're into your maths. The extremes at the far ends of the, the curve mean that there's a greater gap between the talents. So the closer you get towards the middle of the rankings... The, the smaller the gaps between the players and you know I'm sure that if you spoke to a lot of the players they would say that the rankings don't necessarily mean as much in terms of who's who's the better players um, but it does mean a lot to them in terms of getting into tournaments and getting um, you know a decent draw um, so let's move on then I've already tried to move on once um, we'll move on properly this time to, to this week unless there's something else that I've missed out on um, but we're in Europe extensively this week um, we've got Eastern Europe covered with Croatia and Central Europe with Switzerland and, and then France as well so where would you like to go to start with? Uh, no we can go Lille I think that's the yeah that's the biggest uh, event this, this week under 90 while the other ones are 80s Okay we'll go with Lille then where Gregoire Barrer heads up the seedings uh, Benjamin Bonzi of course is there um, off the Rinne connects there. Lots of favourites of ours are in the draw here. Um, is there anyone that you would like to pick out? Maybe you that we haven't talked about. I mean, Dustin Brown's on in the protected ranking in there. 
Yeah, Dustin Brown uh, played last week, lost to lost to Foretek, obviously always a good character to watch. Uh, here I would actually expect the, the top seeds to do quite well, especially Bonzi, although you know, at some point he's gonna have to stop playing every week. Like yeah. I'm still I'm still <laughs> waiting for a bit of a break. And it seems like you know, on on Saturday on or on Friday, I check up the, the Friday, no, they're, they're not released yet on Friday, but every time I check up the, the challenge rows for next week on like Saturday. Uh, Bonzi is there and here he actually has a fairly tough opener uh, we've talked about even furnace before that he was pretty much dominating the ITF circuit uh, probably isn't really super ready for this for for this level yet simply because he doesn't have an aggressive game he's, he's pretty much uh, just a fantastic defender but that you know if Bonzi is any tired then that, that that doesn't really have to be easy and also you mentioned that to Rindekner I remember I actually wanted to mention him when he reached Marseille semis I don't think we did but that's also another another player that whose whose success kind of shows you that uh, no the challenger tour players aren't aren't bad at all <laughs> he won the the opening event of the of the season uh, in in Istanbul and then went on to to have great success already on the on the main tour this year. That that Marseille event was actually only his second uh, tour level main draw after after Roland Garros. I mentioned him passing, I think, because he was the quarterfinals in it that he got to. He had he had match points to make the semis. Uh, um, yeah. There. And uh, yeah, I actually watched that tiebreak. Hit that last the closing stages of that match. And yeah, not the semis. The quarters. Oh, he, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, the, the quarters. I actually, for some reason, I yeah, it, lo- it got locked in my mind that he defeated Umber, probably because of how you know, he was six five. He served for it. Yeah, six five in the third, I think. Yeah, and uh, yeah, had match point at advantage. He actually, yeah, he did have. Yeah, it's, we won't go into depth on that match, but um, he's certainly someone who has come onto my radar only this year, really. You've probably seen him um, a lot more than I have, but uh, very interesting talent. And he starts off against uh, Michael Gertz, Gertz against Bel- a Belgian player. So with all due respect to Mr. Gertz, I expect him to probably progress through there. And then either Nicola Kuhn or a qualifier in the next round after that. So interesting to see how they get on. Um, let's have a look at Switzerland and let's progress uh, eastwards across the continent and Lugano. Um, as you say, it's a slightly lower uh, event in terms of prize money, but um, we've got some interesting players again here. You reach Sagita as the number one seed. Evgeny Donskoy is number two. Uh, Mark Polmans and Peter Koyovchik are the other two in the top four. So um, again, a couple of interesting wildcards as well here. Yeah, definitely the wild cards are going to be one of the most interesting things here. Uh, maybe not ex- Jeremy Kim, although he's you know he also had some 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 pot- he also has some potential, but have, hasn't really achieved that much in, in juniors yet. He's he's only 18 though. But I think Stricker and Riedi, we've already mentioned Dominic Stefan Stricker on the on the podcast. He defeated Tuya Dukovic in Saint Petersburg, and I think he's he's one of these that can really. I think that was actually the podcast uh, that I did by myself, where I talked about Stricker for like five minutes. That uh, <laughs> I, th- I think his uh, rise will be pretty quick. He has a he's some really great physicality. Also, just has a ridiculous upside. He's not exactly you know consistent in that yet, but I think that that's really important f- 
for 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 a junior to have that like not like guys like Andreev or Fairness who simply I think might might stop at some level I think Stricker should have a, a really consistent rate of progress uh, I'm yet to see you know see if that's going to be the same about Leandro Riedi I watched him in that Roland Garros final against Stricker but I honestly you know don't really remember much about his game to be honest I think he was he lost to six for six and and Stricker was the, the much more interesting player in that in that in that one. But he, as far as I remember, he actually had three wins over Stricker before that before that match. So, so he also has to be pretty good. He's actually playing in like half an hour, I believe. Actually, maybe even sooner against Adrian Menendez Maceiras, who's definitely not the best indoors player in the draw. So. Uh, he also might have a shot. Streaker has is playing against Jay Clark, which you might not gonna like, but you know Clark has been quite awful so far this year. Uh, we've also got Masur versus Marchenko, so a repeat of the of the semi in. I'm now forgetting where it was. Biela, sorry. And uh... if you don't know, then just guess Biela. Yeah, <laughs> you pretty much can this year. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned Donskoy, who also has a very tough opener against uh, Altuk Celikbi, like he he was the runner-up in Saint Petersburg. Uh, also, I think that was also the one I did by myself. But but I, I talked a lot about Celikbi's forehand, and I'm I would be really surprised if he doesn't progress a lot this year. Maybe maybe Donskoy is gonna be too hard. We'll see. But 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 that's definitely one of the ones to to watch and that's also today i believe uh, each of striker uh, riedi and celik bilek donskoy are actually playing today the so monday yeah absolutely um, i just noticed that ryan peniston lost in qualifying earlier so that's uh, disappointing for me but he seems to be doing okay mostly getting through qualifying but uh, so oh, and- to keep an eye on about qualifying, sorry. Uh, Evgeny Turnev was also playing the the champion from Saint Petersburg, the one who defeated Jouk in the, in the in the final, but he actually lost to Antoine Bellier. He oh, that was pretty surprising, I guess, the level he showed in in Saint Petersburg and also earlier the the futures event in Saint Petersburg was great. Uh, I was really excited to watch him this this week, but that's not going to be possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wonder whether, and this is probably a topic for another time, but these young Swiss players, can that be, you, you mentioned quite a lot of them doing well at Roland Garros, I suppose, so it isn't really Federer-like, but I wonder whether any of that can be put down to Vavrinka and Federer. I'm just thinking that obviously these are 19, 20-year-olds, so they were born probably just as Federer was coming through, but... I wonder if I wonder if that has had any influence. Yeah, De- definitely. I think that's you know if you if you look at the years, as you said, they were born around when Federer was starting to dominate. So when they when their career started, he was at his peak. Uh, Vavrinka maybe a bit later, but that's definitely you know we had a little bit of a bit you know between Vavrinka and Federer, you got Henri Laksonen, who's well, uh, isn't he like from Finland or something? So yeah. Yeah, so yeah, he he was from Finland. So, uh, so we you know there were there weren't any top Swiss players, uh, and this generation that is that is coming in right now. So guys like Stricker, Klimoriadi, that's definitely the the generation that got inspired by, to some extent, obviously that because for maybe maybe if it wasn't for Federer, they they 
they, they they still would have been you know just playing playing the, playing tennis but that's definitely a, a part of even if not to them but to their parents just seeing that it's possible it's the exactly to, just putting, to, put, putting them in a, a tennis club yeah. um, you know after seeing Federer Federer play so yeah interesting point um, let's move over to Zadar um, the challenger in Croatia and um, possibly fewer um, amazing names here. Gianluca Major heads up the draw. Sumit Nagal, um, second seed. And I've also got Nikola Miljevic and uh, Laz Rolla. So, so quite a few former uh, Yugoslavian uh, players here. And again, a few wild cards of, of interest of players that I'm not overly familiar with. Um, one who I can't even find a ranking for, Mili Poljuzak. Um, we'll see how he gets on. Didn't do particularly well in the 15K. Um, they contested last week, but you know we'll, we'll give him a chance. He plays another wild card in the first round, so one of them will make it through to the second round and probably play Nagal or Nino Sedarusic. So interesting down the bottom of the draw there. Yeah, I'm actually not too familiar with the with the, with the Croatian wild cards either, besides Matija Pekotic, who's played the the Challenger Tour a lot before. Uh, as you said, the field is considerably weaker. And just you know, out of surface reasons, apparently not not many of these players wanted to 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 go to Croatia to play on clay. But I think the the Zadar event, you know, if it if it remains, it has a lot of potential. The I've heard the city is absolutely beautiful. Uh, yeah, I think it's on the coast, uh, right on the coast, I believe. Uh, I've actually yeah. watched quite a bit of the the qualies event, and it seems to be like it's not really. That there aren't many buildings around, and as it's close to the city, there's actually to the city to the sea, uh, there's actually a lot of wind. And for example, today it's been like crazy. Um, Ivan Nadelko played, uh, he played Fatic, I think, in the uh, Nerman Fatic in the in the qualies, and there were a lot of crazy, crazy shots that simply bounced back over the net, not necessarily because of the, the skill of the player. Who, who performed them uh, simply because because of how strong the wind was and if if that remains throughout the week i think that's that's going to be a, a huge issue here i think i think that the level might be might be a bit lower because of that because the players are going to have to struggle through the wind maybe to an extent maybe favorizing some of these guys that play with a lot of top spin and not you know on, on clay you usually play with a lot of top spin so i actually live uh, most of the year I actually live in a in a coastside city too and I know that the wind can be really devastating if you don't have any buildings around like there's for example one street that is basically open and you can't even speak on you know to someone on the phone there because because the wind is too just just too loud and if if that remains in in Zadar then that's gonna be a pretty funny week because the, you know, the, the, there were a lot of crazy bouncing all over the place shots today in, in Nadelko Fatic at least, which, which was the only one I, I, I watched. Yeah, if we combine that with that aforementioned all wildcard match, I think that's going to be the lowest uh, quality match on the Challenger Tour so far this year. I was just looking at the histories and I can't even pick a winner, I think. I think they're both absolutely terrible, but we'll we'll see. We'll give them a, a good a chance. Maybe I'll I'll tune into that match and report back next week on, on my thoughts. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the players cope with those conditions and 
Uh, is there anyone else you want to pick out of us that might have a, a decent week? Oh, Sumit Nagal, definitely. Uh, he played in, in South America recently, right? I, yeah. I, I, I remember him. Yeah, he, uh, he played... Did he uh, finals? Uh, he defeated Ramos Vinolas? No, he lost to Ramos Vinolas, I remember that now. But he, I think he scored uh, like doubled his top top 100 wins that week. He yeah. defeated uh, Garin and Shaw Souza probably. So you know, uh, that's a player that we know has a has a pretty ridiculous peak too. Uh, that that set he took of Federer at the US Open was great. Also, also the against Vavrinka, uh, he won a set against Vavrinka six two last last year in Prague. Uh, so that's definitely someone I'm looking forward to, and he should have a pretty good game for for the windy conditions. I imagine. I'm actually looking at how old the the, the wild cards are, and Nincevic is 21, uh, but the you know, Mili Politak is actually 17, and he's priced as the favorite in that match. So maybe that's actually yeah. I was actually going to say Croatian I was going to make team. a prediction and say that he he should win. Uh, looking at the records, but I didn't know necessarily to go that far. <laughs> but yeah, interesting that the bookmakers have priced him up as favorite. Yeah, he played. I Bar- think that's right. Actually, defeated uh, Mitz. Uh, who? Ah, okay, that's not Mitz Abasic. But anyhow, he he played the qualies at Split last year and played a very decent match against uh, Baris Vera, who who reached the finals at Santiago. Santiago, Santiago this week. So, uh, I think he might actually be a very interesting talent. That's okay. It convinced me to see this match. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not sure if, I'm not sure if it's today. Well, yeah, it is today. It, it, non, it, it, quite a bit, but but today. Well, let's see if we can convince anybody else to go and watch it. Um, thank you for. <clears throat> I think that's all for today. Anybody yeah. other items you want to mention? No, I think I think we're fine. <laughs> we're good, right? We're good. Let's wrap it up there then. Um, like you, like uh, if you w- want us to discuss anything else. Uh, any week, really, just uh, get in touch with either Damien or myself on Twitter. Um, you probably know our handles already if you if you follow the podcast. So um, please do get any questions in, anything you want to know about Challenger Tennis. We'd be happy to uh, do a podcast on that. And uh, we'll see you hopefully again soon, all, all very well and, and healthy. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>